Thank you for joining this sermon podcast from Cornerstone Fellowship in Forest City, North Carolina. We hope that you are blessed and encouraged by today's message. Cornerstone exists to glorify God as we passionately pursue Him and make Him known through worship, discipleship, fellowship, and outreach. Here's today's message. Good to see all of you here on this wonderful Mother's Day. And I don't always preach on whatever day it is, but today we're going to take a look at the blessings of a godly mother. We'll look in Matthew chapter 15, and we will begin our reading in verse 21. Matthew chapter 15, beginning in verse 21, Jesus went away from there and withdrew into the district of Tyre and Sidon. Now, went away from where? Well, he was in Jerusalem, and the scribes had been hammering away at him and the Pharisees about his disciples. And they were saying to him that we notice that John the Baptist, his disciples, they wash their hands before they eat, and uh, your disciples don't always do that. We've been keeping a little ledger, and we've noticed some, some discrepancies between your disciples and those disciples of John. Uh, you, you got to realize that there were times that things like this would finally just get on Jesus' nerves. As a matter of fact, There were several times he would go away. In the mornings early, sometimes the disciples would notice that he was gone, and he would have been gone for a while, and he was spending time in prayer with the Father. But this is an occasion here where he goes into Tyre and Sidon. It's the only time that we know of that he stepped outside of Jewish territory. And if you read this account in Mark's Gospel... Uh, Mark tells us in chapter 7, I believe it is, he says that he went there to get away and he went into a house and he didn't want anybody to know that he was in the house. But that this lady we're about to read about heard that he was there. And so she looks him up. Just, Just think about that. How that even the Son of God Finally, there are times that it just wears you out. Dealing with things that are of little to no significance at all and being constantly under uh, the microscope all the time. Sometimes it can just get the best even of Jesus himself. Verse 22, and a Canaanite woman from that region came out and began to cry out, saying, Have mercy on me, Lord, son of David. My daughter is cruelly demon-possessed. But he did not answer her a word. Now, I'm going to pause once more, if, if not more. But I want you to understand He is communicating with the disciples. 
He's not just ignoring her for the sake of ignoring her, and he's not just turning away from her for her sake. He is about to bring something out in the conversation with the disciples that they really need to deal with. And so this is how he does it. He did not answer her a word. And his disciples came and implored him, saying, Send her away, because she keeps shouting at us. But he answered and said, I was sent only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. That, that's something they certainly believe. He says, but she came and began to bow down, or the scripture says, bow down before him saying, Lord, help me. And he answered and said, it is not good to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. Now again, the Jews believe that the Gentiles, of which she was one, they believed they were dogs. That was one of the names that they had for them. And these are not uh, little dogs uh, with curly hair and a little bell hanging around their neck. Dogs were considered uh, unclean. These things just roamed the streets and got into all kinds of stuff. So he is really relaying again or repeating what the Jews, his own disciples, I'm certain many times in their life had said. But she said, yes, Lord, I'll, I'll own that. They call us dogs, but even the dogs feed on the crumbs which fall from their master's table. And then Jesus said to her, O oh, woman, your faith is great. It shall be done for you as you wish. And her daughter was healed at once. I want us to take a look today at what is the difference between a good mother, maybe what we would call a nice mother, and a godly mother. There is a difference, and I, I, I know that we could argue, yes, if you're a godly mother, you are a good mother, and, and I got all of that, but I can tell you, you can be a good mother and not be a godly mother, and we're going to learn what a godly mother is all about from a Canaanite woman of all people. She is about to teach us what a godly mother is really like. Now, we would look at Eve maybe and say she was a good mother. As a matter of fact, when Cain was born, she says, Oh, look, I have begotten or I have gotten a child from God himself or with the help of the Lord. And, and of course, he turned out to murder his own brother. But in her eyes, she was like all mothers. She thinks, oh boy, look at this beautiful child, and he came from God, and, and, and she is seeing all kind of hope and potential in Cain, and he had absolutely none of any of that. But then you look at Yochebed, and if you don't know her, that was the mother of Moses. And Yochebed was a woman who also loved her son, but there came a time when she said, I know I can no longer protect him. 
And if I just selfishly say that I'll never ever give up my son, I'll never put my son out of my sight. If she had just selfishly said that I will fight Pharaoh with my bare hands if I have to, then Moses would have been killed. But she was a godly mother in that she took her precious child and she put him in a basket and we might say she put him in the river Nile, but I will tell you something, she put him in the hands of God. And when you do that, and that, boy, that, that takes something out of you. To say that I know if I hold on to my child in this situation that I'm only going to make things worse. The only hope that my child has is for me to overcome all of my emotional attachments and allow this child to float down this river in the hands of God. We could look at Hannah who was the mother of Samuel. Another woman that was a godly mother, she said in the uh, book of Samuel, she made a vow and said, O Lord of hosts, if you indeed look on the affliction of your maidservant and remember me and not forget your maidservant and give your maidservant a son, then I will give him to the Lord all the days of his life. And just so everyone who sees him will know that he does not belong to me, but he belongs to you, a razor will not come upon his head. She says, I want it to be obvious that he belongs to you and not to me. That's a godly mother. So what is the difference in being a nice mother, a protective mother perhaps a good mother and being a godly mother sometimes a good mother will blame it on the teacher for you my child is just I I, I think I've heard it all and you teachers here today I'm sure you've heard worse some I I think my child is just bored in that class it's just he is so bright That's why he's making straight F's. He is just doing so well. He's in the seventh grade and and he's driving to school. But it's just because he's just so bright. And if he gets in trouble, well, he got with the wrong crowd. He wasn't the wrong crowd. It was those other boys or those other girls that talked him or her into whatever. I can tell you uh, with a godly mother, it's not quite that way. I had a godly grandmother and boy, I never came home and told my grandmother and she was the one who raised me. I would have never come home and said, that teacher got on to me today. I would have never dreamed of that. That would have been a nightmare that would have awakened me from my sleep to think that I'm going to come home and say, hey, I got a paddling today because I know what I would get. I would get another one with no questions asked. But I had a godly grandmother. I had a woman that didn't make it all about me. And she allowed me to deal with the consequences of my bad decisions growing up. 
so that by the time my brother and I finally reached adulthood, we had enough sense. And, and it took a little while. I, I, I had that trip over Fool's Hill. That's what my grandmother called it for about two years. My brother took a trip. His was a little bit longer than mine. But I can tell you, here we are on a Sunday morning. That precious soul is in heaven with God. My brother's leading worship in Anderson, South Carolina. I'm preaching the Word of God in Rutherfordton or Forest City, North Carolina. I'm just telling you, that grandmother knew what she was doing because she was a godly mother to us. Well, what's a godly mother like? What are some blessings of having a godly mother? First of all, godly mothers are passionate. She said in verse 22 to Jesus, she said, have mercy on me. Now, it's her daughter's problem, but boy, she's feeling it every day of her life. She's never going to be happy until her daughter is well. And you know yourself, if you're a godly mother, man, you know unless your child, if your child is hurting or your child is in need or your child has a problem or there's some kind of issue, if they have one, you have one. Because you feel that, you have that empathy at a level, I think a mother has it that at a level that just can't be compared to anybody other than God. She just knows. And so she comes to God and she says, God, she says, Jesus, please, she says, have mercy on me because I am, I'm, I'm hurting. It's my daughter that's got, got the problem, but, but I am hurting. And I can tell you, down through the years of being a pastor, boy, I've seen some mothers walk through some horrible times. I've seen some mothers because they may have had a husband that was lost. And somehow or another, they would keep that family together and she would fill a role that's not hers to fill. And she would pray, man, every day of her life for her family. Some of those mothers saw God move and people submitted to God and God would change those families. Some of those mothers went on to be with the Lord and never saw God change anything. I've seen some go through hard Times I, I've known women that other women would say, boy, I, I wish I had a husband like yours. And that woman would whisper to herself, yeah, I wish I had him too. It just looks like I do. The man you see here at church is not the man I live with at home. Boy, those are tough, tough situations. Godly mothers are passionate like that. I can just tell you, boy, when you mess with a godly mother's child, you better have a good reason. Because I want to tell you, there's just nothing, there's just nothing like it. You know, I, 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 I was given away when I was little, and I, and I never really questioned that too much until I just thought, well, that just happens sometime until we had our first child. And when Chase was born, I've, I've not understood that since. I'm just telling you, I'm like, how in the world could anybody give away a child? I mean, even one that looked like me. 
I mean, how could you possibly do that? That just absolutely blows my mind. And I am so blessed to be married to a woman that, boy, I want to tell you right now, she is a protector and a lover of her children and her grandchildren. And, and man, I want to tell you, I am blessed in that regard. She even loves me. And, and, and you really don't need to mess with me too much. Or she, she may get on you a little bit. I'm just telling you, that is a, it's, it is a blessing from God. There's another blessing of a godly mother. Secondly, is godly mothers are courageous. In verse 22, again, it says, And a Canaanite woman from that region came out and began to beg out, cry, or to cry out, saying, Have mercy on me, Lord, son of David. And he will look at this woman and say, you have great faith. You know, he only said that to two people. And both of them were Gentiles. He never said it to Peter, never said it to John. Uh, he never said it to any of the other disciples. The two people he said it to, one was a centurion that came to him one time. And he said, I have a servant that is sick, and, and I believe that you can heal him. And Jesus says, okay, I'll come and do it. And the centurion said, I, I, I'm not worthy of having you to come to my house. Just speak the words and he can be healed. And Jesus looked at him, another Gentile. And he says, you have great, great faith. This woman had to be courageous to walk up to Jesus. Here he is, a rabbi. Here she is, a Canaanite. But she walks up to him and she uses this language, son of David. That was a politically charged term, but she's a Canaanite and she is admitting that you are going to rule the world. You and your people are going to rule the world. Now, the Jews misunderstood a lot about that, but that was what they believed. And, 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 and so here's a Canaanite woman, and she is recognizing him as Jesus, the Son of God, the Son of David. That's who he is. And, and she says that to him. That, 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 that took a lot of courage for her to do that. One, she had to overcome religion because now she had tons of religions and entire inside. Man, a lot of people nowadays who act like, well, you know, Christianity is one religion and there's millions of others and they're just all kind of the same. I want to tell you, this woman had a lot of religions entire inside him. But when she needed a miracle that could only come from God, she did not turn to some false, empty religion. She turned to God. We have 20 pastors in India that we support from this church here. And we didn't start those churches or help with those churches or train those pastors because India didn't have enough religion. It had more religion than it could stand. What the people of India need is a Savior who is Jesus Christ the Lord. That's why we're there. She knew I need a miracle. I think about the leader of the synagogue whose daughter was sick and finally died. Man alive, I bet he lost his job after that because people in the synagogue hated Jesus. But when his daughter was sick and about to die and finally did, man, he went to Jesus. He went to Jesus. <laughs> he didn't turn to his Jewish buddies. She had to overcome religion. She had to overcome racism. They called them dogs. Man, 
Canaanite people were, they weren't even second class citizens. And then on top of that, she was a woman. She's a woman. She's a Gentile. Not just any Gentile. She's a Canaanite. She's got everything going against her. But Jesus is about to use this experience to teach his disciples about the foreshadowing of how the gospel is going to change the entire world. It's not just for Jews, but it is for everybody that will put their faith and trust in him. Man, it's amazing that these disciples even went with him. I want to go back to the first point we talked about, though. Man, he goes to Tyre and Sidon to get away. Man, I'm telling you, sometimes serving God, it can take it out of you. Honestly, it can. And, and I hope you'll let me be real honest with you because I've never in my whole life pastored a church that loved me as much as you do. I, I'm just telling you God has blessed me with... The, the most enjoyable place, most fulfilling place I have ever served in my entire life. And I hope if I live to be a hundred that I'm still able to stand in this pulpit and preach the Word of God. Have no plans to be anywhere else. But I want to tell you something. Sometimes Jesus would just get away. It's tough sometimes. You know, I, I, I see it a lot. People talk about, well, the, I was hurt by the church, whatever church it might have been. I, I see that and hear that sometimes. You know, one of the things that I don't know that I've ever heard is somebody come forward and say, I'd like to confess that I have hurt the church. That'd be cool to hear one time. I hurt the church. I just left. I got upset at Pastor Mike. Talking about this one. I got upset at Pastor Mike. I left. I never even told him what it was about. I didn't give him a chance to respond. He he actually got in touch with me and invited me to come in and us talk about it. And I ignored him. Really? I voted for a budget that I didn't even stick around to help support. I just up and left. They still don't know why I left. And once in a while on social media, I'll lob a grenade over the wall and, and kind of throw a hint at, 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 you know, how I was done or how I was made to feel. I would love one time to have somebody come and say, you know what, I went to church and they showed me grace and mercy and love. And I had a past that was incredible, but they never held it over my head. They forgave me just like Jesus forgave me. And they involved me, and they did not hold me back in any way, shape, or form. I begged to be discipled. They offered it with open arms. They did everything they could to help me and bless me. And I just walked away like breaking up with a teenage girl. I just left. Wow. I'd like to hear somebody say that sometimes. Because I can tell you, it gets tough. It gets tough sometimes. But godly mothers are passionate. Secondly, they're courageous. 
Thirdly, they're persistent. In verse 23, says, But he did not answer her a word, and his disciples came and implored him, saying, Send her away, because she keeps on shouting at us. She just will not shut up. <laughs> and the disciples were going, Send her away. Get her out of here. here. Here's a good way to not ever get hurt by the church. Don't pay as much attention to Jesus' disciples as you do Jesus. If you'll keep your eyes on him, we'll disappoint you every time. Oh, oh, I'm sorry. We disappointed you? <laughs> wow. Can't believe that. We're just as human as you are. You remember Jesus comes down off the mountain of transfiguration, and there's a man there. He says, my son is a lunatic. <laughs> my son has got problems. And I showed him to your disciples, the ones you left down here, and they couldn't do anything with the demon that was within him. And Jesus says, just bring him to me, and I will take care of it. Now, he had met Jesus' disciples, and he was not that impressed. So let me just go ahead and tell you now. We're all a bunch of sinners saved, hopefully, by the grace of God. And that is exactly what you are. So why don't you come and join us and get us off of a pedestal and let's all of us focus on our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. It'll save you a lot of disappointment. Oh, we'll say the wrong thing. My goodness. We'll do it the wrong way. I can promise you we will hurt your feelings and won't even mean to. Man, we can't get our foot out of our mouth half the time. We'll pass judgment on a situation that we know almost nothing about. Sometimes we get caught up in gossip. That is exactly why you are going to fit in here like a hand in a glove. Because you're just a lost sinner saved by grace like the rest of us. And if we were a perfect church, we wouldn't let you join. So welcome to God's house. A God who's perfect, but he's followed by a bunch of frail disciples that can mess up almost anything. A godly mother is passionate, courageous. She's persistent. Number four, godly mothers are honest. She told Jesus, said, my daughter is cruelly demon-possessed. She didn't say, my daughter is all right, mixed up, got with the wrong crowd. No, my daughter is not all right. She didn't just kind of get off course. It's not that uh, she has uh, acceptance issues or she has some problems with self-esteem. No, my daughter needs a miracle. My daughter has the devil in her. My daughter is possessed by demons, and you, you are the only one that can help her. Man, I want to tell you, when you pray like that, and you are that honest with God, man, I want to tell you, God hears those kinds of prayers. When you start trying to put lipstick on a pig for God, He already knows the situation. He already knows it's bad. He already knows how. Matter of fact, He may already know that it's a whole lot worse than you know about. So don't come to God with a bunch of jazz. Just come to him and say, God, I have a child. If your child is lost, say, my child is lost. 
My child doesn't know you, Lord. My child's going to die lost and go to hell unless you save him or unless you save her. Not, my child is not just mixed up. My child didn't just kind of find themselves in the wrong place at the wrong time. It wasn't anything like that. My child is lost and needs a Savior, God. She was very honest. Very honest. There's a lot of people I'm afraid in this world that are going to die and go to hell because their mother saved them. Their mother never confronted them with the gospel. They grew up believing that, well, since we go to church, I guess we're all kind of saved. I guess we sort of got it when we were little. Or that thing in VBS, yeah. I think I still have my certificate like like when you get to heaven, God's going to ask for your folder. You know, a godly mother will tell you about Jesus. A godly mother will tell you why you need him. And a godly mother won't lie to you because she has her own emotional deficits and she couldn't imagine making you mad at her. Now she's willing to take that risk and tell you the truth. Man, that's what we so desperately need today. Our kids need salvation. Our world needs salvation. I, I, I hear preachers, uh, I don't want to pick on him every Sunday, but our buddy Brother Joel talks about, uh, he says, I, I don't really tell people they're lost. I, I think people know they're lost. No, they don't. That's why they buy those books, Five Steps to Whatever, A Peaceful Life, or Four Stages of Reclaiming Your Self-Esteem. Yeah, that's why they buy those books. I can tell you, Mr. Osteen, they don't know they're lost. They, they don't even know that they need salvation. A lot of people in this world believe what they need is advice. They think, man, if I could just get four steps down or, 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 or develop five attitudes or three habits or whatever. No, what we need if we don't know Jesus as our Savior, we need a Savior because we're lost and on our way to hell. And I'll tell you something else that would alarm most people to know this. It's not Satan from whom you need saving. You know who we need saving from? We need to be saved from God. That's right. Romans chapter 1 verse 18, it says that the wrath of God is revealed against all unrighteousness, especially those who suppress the truth with unrighteousness. His righteousness is, or His wrath is going to be revealed. We need for God to reconcile us to Himself, to save us from His own wrath and judgment against sin. Do you know who made the statement, do not fear those who kill the body but are unable to kill the soul, but rather fear Him, fear Him, who is able to destroy both the soul and the body in hell. Do you know who said that? Jesus said that. Jesus said that. 
Jesus says, you need to be, a, you, 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 you're worried about protecting yourself from people that can just kill the body. He said, you should have a healthy fear of the one who not only can kill your body, but can leave your soul in hell. He is talking about himself. We need to be reconciled to God. You don't need to be saved from an old mean church or an old dogmatic preacher that hurts your feelings or or, or from a, a family situation that, that left you in emotional ruins. No, we need salvation from the wrath of God because it's not Satan that's going to cut it loose on this world one day. It is going to be God. That's why we need to be saved and reconciled to Him. Our godly mothers are passionate. They're courageous. They're persistent. They're honest. Number five, they're humble. They call this woman a dog. And he answered and said in verse 26, it's not good to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. Now, this was a statement for his disciples. You call these people dogs. You, you're thinking I should do something for her? You call her dogs. All, you've, you've called people like her dogs all the time. No, don't be shy about it now. Step up here. When they're not around, you run your mouth all the time. You throw these racial slurs around like they're going out of style. Here she stands. Call her a dog. Boy, he is putting the screws to these boys. But she said, yes, Lord. I'm not here to argue about racial slurs. But even the dogs feed on the crumbs that fall from the master's table. Man. She was a dog as far as the Jews were concerned. But not as far as Jesus was concerned. Man, it's so amazing. Mark says that he made it in the house. And nobody knew except this woman. He called her a Syrophoenician woman because she's from that area. Says that she had heard about him. I wonder where she heard about him. Man, let me just say this and we'll move to our last point. Don't quit talking about Jesus. The person with whom you are speaking directly may ignore you, but there might be somebody else listening that didn't miss a word. Believe it or not, yeah, there are a lot of people that will slam the door in your face. But there are a lot of people in this world you're going to meet that they're at their wit's end. And their heart is soft. And their mind is open to hear about Jesus Christ. Don't ever, ever stop talking about Jesus Christ. I don't even know if I can tell the story right. Pastor Mike Deese and I were at Jacksonville a few years ago when one of the pastors stood up and I couldn't remember the preacher's name to save my life but whoever was preaching said that there was this pastor and he gave his name and he said you know toward the end of his ministry he got really depressed says he felt like that he just did no good whatsoever he just 
and, and it can happen. Sometimes we look around at what we see and, and, and we're looking and thinking, man, I, I wish that more could have happened. And it seemed like that everywhere I went, uh, it was difficult. And, and it's really easy sometimes to not see what God is doing. He said, I was at a conference one time. And I was talking about this guy. And the man had passed on and had, had died. He said, but at the conference where I was talking about him, W.A. Criswell was there. Now, if you don't know who that is, and you might not, unless you're old like me, but he was a pastor of First Baptist Church in Dallas, Texas for years. Famous, famous man of God. Led thousands of people to the Lord there at First Baptist Dallas. When this preacher mentioned that man's name, W.A. Criswell said, you know, he never did know it. But he said, I got saved one night at one of his meetings. That man left this world and didn't know that one night a man named W.A. Criswell, who would probably lead about as many people to the Lord as any human in the history of the world and go on to pastor First Baptist Dallas, Texas for years and years, had no idea. I want to tell you, you have no idea what might happen when you share Jesus Christ. Just because we don't always see the crop come in, it doesn't mean that it's not going to come in. It may be after you're dead and gone, but I can tell you, stay faithful, stay passionate, and I mean just be humble about it, take the criticism, but keep telling people about Jesus Christ, and you'll be amazed maybe one day when you get home in glory at the people you may meet, that you had an influence on them being there. Godly mothers are passionate, courageous, persistent, honest, humble. And last of all, godly mothers worship God. Says so she, verse 25, came and bowed down. That word is proskuneo. That is our word for worship. Sometimes we translate it as bow down, but it is our word for worship. And I. I know I've told you already, but I'm going to tell you again. The word comes from a dog licking pros toward his master's hand. Now, you know how a dog will lick your hand sometimes. Mine will just walk up to me, old Roscoe, and he'll just start licking and and putting his head and, and if I don't pay him any attention he'll take his head and put under my hand if you're not going to pet me I'm going to pet me with you really I've often thought about doing an experiment I've thought about before locking Loretta and him in the trunk for about two hours and opening it and see which one's glad to see me I mean, just to find out. I don't know who would preach for the next few weeks, but I'd probably regain consciousness at some point. Oh, she'd kill me. He'd lick me to death. 
He don't care. That's our word for worship. We want to be near God so badly. It says she came and she bowed down. Bowed down and worshiped God. Let, let me just ask you, moms and dads today. When you leave this world, what is the one thing that you want your children to remember about you most? What is the one thing that you hope they never forget? Maybe there were things you weren't good at and they'll laugh at those till the day they die. But maybe you were one who worshiped God and you put God first in your life. And your children saw that. They knew that there was nothing in this world that meant as much to you as God. Maybe you never preached a sermon or never taught a class, but your children, the day they put you in the ground, could not help but think that my mother or my daddy, they worship God. They worshiped God. He was first and foremost in their life. Man, I've known mothers and dads who passed away. They had no education. They could hardly read or write, but none of that came up. When they passed away, their kids would talk about not their reading ability or their academic uh, 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 abilities or acumen. They, they would talk about My mother loved God, and she worshiped Him. She worshiped Him with all her heart. That was all she really cared about. All she really cared about was worshiping God. Man, this morning, while I was praying and looking over the notes, I looked up a picture that I have I wouldn't take anything in the world for. They didn't take a lot of pictures back then. But I came across from one of my cousins a picture of Nellie D. Nellie Davis Snellgrove. That was my grandmother. She was feeding a couple of cats. I would have ticked my daddy off right off bat. She's standing in front of a corn crib. If you don't know what that is, see Bob after class. We had an old corn crib. She's standing in front of it. Her body was frail. She was never a big woman. But she was muscular. Her little arms were, had, had tendons stretched in them. She was a tough woman. She had worked so hard all her life. Had eight children of her own. Had one that died when she was just a young girl. She went through all of that. She went through, she was born in 1904. She went through the Spanish flu. She went through two world wars. She went through the Great Depression. Man, 
That woman had three sons. She had four altogether, but at one time, three of her sons were all in the military at the same time. She had one in the Marine Corps, one who was in the Air Force, and my dad who was in the Navy all at the same time, praying that they would make it home alive. I can remember because we were poor. I've told you that before, but I can remember seeing her when I was a little boy. She would be out in the field hoeing. We grew almost everything we ate. Sometimes she would get sick. She went through cancer when she was 40. She had a double mastectomy at the age of 40 and still lived to be 93 years old. But I can remember seeing her get so sick on her stomach she'd get down on her knees because she couldn't stand up any longer in the hot sun. And she would keep hoeing on her knees. My goodness. I've often heard, I was born this side of those days, I've often heard that if you could pick 500 pounds of cotton, that's a bale of cotton in one day, that was quite a feat. And I had more than one person tell me, Mike, your granny could pick a bale of cotton a day. I know for some of you that's, that's not exactly like she's the WWE champion, but I'm just saying to you, that's 500 pounds of cotton. This woman was tough. I could tell you a lot of other things about her. But you know what I remember most? Man, she would get on her knees and put her little face down on the floor. On the floor. And her, she and her friend, Miss Moore, oh, they would, Miss Moore would come over and they would pray together. They'd pray like God was deaf. I ain't kidding you. Don't let them find out about some sin in your life. Everybody's going to know it because they're going to let God hear it. My goodness. That woman loved the Lord. She had a third grade education. She could not read nor write. But miraculously, I'm not kidding you, she could read the Bible. And there was another little red back book that I have in my office, the most precious one in that whole library in there. I mean, including that original King James Version Bible I have. Yeah. There's a book of Bible stories where a lady, they called her Aunt Alice, would read to the children. My grandma would read us those stories every night. My aunts and uncles didn't like the fact that she took on my brother and me. She had already done her time raising children. I was so hyper. I ran all the time. They said I was retarded. Really? That's back when you could say that word. I'm sure I looked at Ma, they would call her. Something's wrong with him. There's a lot wrong with me, but that wasn't my problem. What I needed was somebody to love me like she loved me. And to raise me. And oh yeah, 
she could bring the fury. There's an old red plum tree outside the kitchen window. I wanted it to die so bad. I was like, God, if it don't, I'm going to. Got caught one time shelling butter beans. The phone rang. She went in the house to answer it. My brother and I, we'd get bright ideas. It's a wonder we hadn't already cured cancer, me and him. We dumped some good beans in with the holes, and we got caught. And we sounded like Miss Moore praying when she got a hold of us. She loved the Lord. Be a godly mother. Mothers, we need you. Our culture has downplayed your role. We have this parent one and parent two thing. I'm so sick and tired of that. I am so, I've grown so weary. We are fools. Do we not see that when we dismantled the home that our country started coming apart at the seams? Mothers, you're precious. And we need more of you. Godly godly mothers. Let's pray. Our Father, we come to you right now. I ask you, God, touch our mothers here today. Lord, give them the strength that they need. Lord, I believe with all of my heart that you're using them in the lives of their children that they'll have a place in the lives of their children, God, that even us fathers won't have. And I pray, God, that you would take good mothers and, and help them to be godly mothers. Help them, Lord, to focus their attention on you and to realize that those children are gifts from God, gifts from you, Lord, and treat them like they belong to you. I pray, God, that you would be with our mothers. Sometimes I know they grow weary, but I don't know what we'd do without them, God. I pray for every mother that's here today, and I pray for every father as well. Help us to support these mothers. Help us, God, to be the men that you have called us to be, Lord, and support them in what they're doing. And I pray, Lord, in the darkness of this world of chaos, where family structure is disdained, where it's become a laughing stock, I pray, God, you'd help us to be a light in that darkness. Help our homes, Lord, to be a shining light that people could see you. I ask all of this in Jesus' precious holy name. Thank you for joining us today. If you have any questions or would like to know more about Cornerstone, please visit our website at servantsway.com or email us at office at servantsway.com. Cornerstone Fellowship is located at 1186 Hudlow Road, Forest City, North Carolina. Please join us again next week.